0: Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Once again, ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum to this edition of Truthful Connection, coming to you live and exclusively from the stu- from the studios of Marcus Sahaba online in Durban, South Africa. Inshallah we now get into our segment called Current Politics with our brother Manzoor Ahmad Imam, who is a member of the South, Af- uh, South African Parliament. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Manzoor Ahmad Imam.
1: Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh from a very beautiful morning in the city of Durban. I can't say the same for the streets itself. It's in shocking conditions with the strike that's going on. But indeed, a mashallah, beautiful day indeed.
0: Yeah, this is really causing us problems. Most of us don't even know how to dispose of our waste at the moment. and This is, you know creating a stink all over in the suburbs also besides central But but
1: added to that, my brother, is the problem of that many areas in the CBD and surrounding areas have had no water or electricity for many days. Many, many days. Uh, Close, very close to the uh, CBD, very close to the city hall. People have got no water and electricity for many days. And I'm told that it's going to get worse over the next day or two. While the strike continues, uh, so yes, indeed, you know, it, it, it's quite a concern. But I must also tell you that while the water remains contaminated on the beach, that hasn't stopped the beachgoers from going and swimming on this in this contaminated water. So yeah.
0: Now uh, today we'll deal a bit with some election questions since it's near, you know, very close, and. Um, we will, you know, uh, revise this later, closer to elections. Now, there are many people who are very demotivated because of the way things are going on in the country and not really interested in voting. But after, you know, being spoken to by others and uh, explaining to them that, you know, if you, you, you have to participate in the politics of the country if you wish for change. They changed their minds, but this happened, this happened, I know of a case, a person, he he didn't register. And we know it's gone beyond the deadline. Is there any provision made for such people?
1: Well, let me start off by, I think you touched on a very, very important point, my brother. And you know, this discussion also came up when Kanita Hunter addressed us uh, 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 on Friday night. And that's the question I also posed to her in the discussion with her, that yes, there are various challenges in the country. People are always complaining about the state of the country, the poor delivery of services, high levels of corruption. and things. But yet we don't want to be part of the solution. Now, who are these politicians? Remember that All over the world, politicians are the cause of the division, the mayhem, the chaos, all that is happening. Now, why is that so? Is it not because, number one, we've put the wrong people in there? Number two, that those that have the necessary capacity, the ability and the skills and the integrity don't want to be part of it. I know that I've been calling people to ask them to be part of it. No, 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 we'll support you from the background, or we'll support you with all our knowledge, wisdom, but we don't want to be part of it. We don't want to go to Parliament. We can understand that. But how are you going to bring about that change, my brother? How are you going to bring about that change and get the right kind of people and take the country into the correct direction if you're not going to go in there and bring about that change? So that's the thing I think we need to understand, that we have the the capacity and the capabilities amongst our community, particularly amongst the Ummah, and we need to come out and be part and parcel of the solution. Otherwise, I can tell you we have a risk in terms of our freedom, risk in terms of our livelihood. You know, there's a whole lot of risks attached to it. And how many people, my brother can leave the country or send their children abroad. How many can? Look at the high levels of employment. Look at the bills that are being passed. All are actually victimizing or marginalizing the minority communities in the country. But on your second point, no. The registration for voters have already closed. You will not be able to participate in this election. Your next opportunity will be in uh, 2026 in the local government election. So if you have not registered now, you've lost the opportunity to voice uh, 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 your opinion uh, through the ballot box.
0: Now, are there any circumstances that allows the voter to vote at a station where he is not registered due to some reason he may not be in that area for that day? If so, what are the procedures to be followed by one who will not be in the area of his voting station on election day?
1: Okay, two things. Remember, this is a provincial and national vote. It, it you're not that badly affected because normally in a local election, you've got to vote uh, 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 in your particular voting station in the particular province. Now, the, yes, there is provisions. There will be a document. You, there will be special votes. So you will have to apply for a special vote to say that you will be in another province at the time uh, or in another city and things like that so you can, you know, be able to participate in the election. So there is provisions, and that is why we have special votes. Uh, all you, And they will open that uh, window period to tell you for special votes. Anybody wants to uh, vote uh, on that day in another area, then you'd be able to do that. So when you go to that voting there's there will be a form that you will fill it to declare, and then you will be able to vote. So you can only vote on that special voting day in a different area.
0: Okay. Now we also read that this is a landmark election, making 30 years of electoral democracy, but it also introduces novel experiences for the voters, such as a third ballot in the national and provincial elections as well as the participation of independent candidates for the very first time. Now, this independent candidate participation, could you shed some light on that?
1: Well, let me start off by saying I'm not convinced that the IEC is ready for this election. And let us also be mindful of the fact that that matters before the court that have not been finalized. Over and above that, of course, we know this, the MK party is also before the court. And that poses a very serious risk uh, uh, to the elections. I'm not sure why the elections were rushed, uh, uh, given the fact that there are matters before the court that needs to be finalized. You know, even on Friday night again, Kanita Hunter and many others raised very serious concerns. About some of the matters pertaining to this particular election, and as far as independence and others are concerned, the signatures that is required, uh, you know, the whole lot of things, and uh, uh, and and the risk that it poses, the instability it might cause. If political parties are not allowed, particularly in KZN, which is a very hostile environment, there can be a you know. A, a, all-out war in this particular province. So it, it's a very volatile situation, particularly uh, in KZN, uh, uh, as far as this is concerned. So I think it is premature. Now, independents for the first time will be given an opportunity to participate. Unfortunately, they are only uh, they are attached to regions and are only allowed to participate in fifty percent of the country. Uh, uh, that is a very unfortunate thing, because you need to level the playing field if you want everybody to have an equal opportunity. Clearly, I think what is happening is, from what we find, that uh, the larger parties who support these things are wanting to either uh, marginalize or, or protect their, the, the political environment which they thrive in and not give new interests and opportunity. So they put in a lot of restrictions, which makes it very difficult, even for the independents. However, yes, you are correct. Uh, This is going to be the first time that we are going to be accommodating independents. The first time that parties that are participating for the first time in the national and provincial legislatures will have to provide a whole lot of signatures, something like 47,000 for the entire country. Uh, uh, and yet, it's not a requirement for parties that are currently in parliament. Even though they may, they too may not even have had one single seat. Some of them got there without getting the actual quota to get the one seat. You know, and because of the system, they were able to to get in. Uh, there are some that may not even be able to make it and come back, but are going to be able to participate in this conference by virtue of already being there. So you can see, you know. Uh, 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 the inconsistencies as far as what is going on there. But yes, indeed, you know, independents are going to have uh, uh, an opportunity. Uh, Perhaps I think this creates an environment for us to have a constituency-based elections where we must do away with political parties and allow people to be elected by the electorate directly. Let the people decide who exactly they want rather than through political parties. And perhaps that might be the eventual route to go so that we'd be able to identify credible uh, uh, public representatives. So, yes, that, 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 that I think at some stage might be the ideal to go because political party system in the African continent, particularly, and you can look in South Africa what is happening and the chaos that we are having in the country. So that's where we are as far as the the, the, the current. But I think I must also allude to the fact that the problem with this election is it's very significant to the extent you're sitting on a ticking time bomb. You know, you have two clearly identifiable groups. One is those that want transformation. That one to uphold human rights values. Uh, And and then, of course, but then, of course, that also comes with a lot of challenges in terms of the high levels of corruption and K-deployment and a whole lot of things that have happened in the past. And then, on the other hand, you have those that have a pro-Western or Zionist uh, 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 motive. And, of course, and they've been very well funded in any event. So that clearly indicates that uh, there's, there's quite a contestation in this particular election. And I can tell you this election is all about money. It's the, whoever puts the most amount of money down is going to emerge. And there's no doubt about it. A lot of money is coming into the country, particularly for the Zions. The unfortunate thing is this. You are going to be judged by your history parties like the ANC and things and and, and their poor track record of of the services are going to be attacked for that. And uh, that is the loophole and the weakness that others will thrive on. But more importantly, I think we need to understand that um, uh, is there enough being done about the opposing side to try and maintain our grip in the country. But more importantly, change the direction in which we conduct ourselves so we can have a better South Africa. You know, we have a country that more and more people for the very first time are dying of malnutrition and hunger. Poverty levels are increasing. rich are getting richer. The poor are getting poorer. And there is no comprehensive workable plan in place. You know, talk is cheap. Everybody says, I'll do this, that, that, and that. A lot of people in a lot of political parties had the opportunity, and they haven't done much about it. And very importantly, because you have a ruling party, it's easy to attack them as well. But what about those parties that are also governing everywhere else in the country? You know, what is their track record like? What have they delivered? Have they uplifted the living conditions of their people? No. So we tend to concentrate on the big guy. We concentrate on certain people, but forget that there are others that are also governing, uh, 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 you know, and, and have also failed the people. So if we do a, a research into it, you'd be able to come up with, with, with a true reflection of the state of the country and the various political parties who had the, goal, the opportunity to govern and did not provide satisfactory services to the people. And the question should then be, why should any of these people be considered? rather than why one should not be considered or two should not be considered, every one of them should be judged on their performance in the areas where they govern. So, yes, a very, very important election. Money is what's going to make the difference. And and, and your campaigning, your media and things, which is, of course, I can tell you, captured in the country. So all that must be taken into consideration. Not forgetting the very important point, and that is the rigging of elections. And if you've heard the statement by people like Ace Magashule, former chair of the ruling party and many others, there are clear indications. Malema has been saying the same thing. What does it tell you? There are clear indications that something untoward has been happening in elections before because they come from there. They know what they've done there. And now that they're not there, they are raising this concern. So you can see, though, that that, that there's no doubt about it. It's common knowledge. Elections are won and lost at the, at the voting stations, so one needs to be very careful about that.
0: Now, we also read, interested parties may object against certain prospective candidates who are nominated. Now, when they say interested parties, it could be, you know, members of the public can just come together and object also, or, you know, people who are officials. And then, what are the valid reasons for objecting against a prospective candidate
1: well uh, various things if people are involved in levels of corruption uh, looting uh, people have got criminal records uh, uh, um, you can 't belong to 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 uh, you can 't be applying in two different for two different parties to be on the ballot uh, on the uh, uh, list uh, so there's various reasons as to why you know, you you can uh, object. Generally, you have most of this happening in, in parties, where there are those, when there's infighting in the political parties, they will then object to the processes that they may have followed, and a whole lot of things. It um, hasn't had much attention in South Africa as far as objections were concerned. Uh, yeah. But uh, the opposite... For you two actually... Of, uh, uh, Lord, your objections based on, of course, some of what I've just alluded to. Um, but more, most of them, I think, come in as a result of the fact that uh, um, political uh, politicians or those uh, that want to be politicians or want to be part and parcel of the uh, 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 may have, you know, had criminal records and things of that nature. So that you, in fact, you are supposed to screen your candidate before you put them, because even when the IEC goes through it, it will also pick up if you had criminal records and things. And remember, anything more than a 12-month sentence, uh, you are not eligible to participate. So, yeah, these are just some of the things that uh, you will have objections from now.
0: Now, I, I know last week we did discuss this uh, Bella bill, but there is a WhatsApp that has been going around this week about a member of the ruling party and it says he admits that his schools will need to be registered at DBE. Why does he not tell the community the requirements for registration? Currently, the process of registration cost into thousands, hundreds of thousands. The bill is clear that if parents send their children to institutions that are not registered, they will be imprisoned. Now, this is worrying a lot of people that our, our madrasa is going to close down also if they're not registered.
1: Well, first of all, uh, uh, you know, I think to some extent it's exaggerated. But on the other hand, there are very serious risks attached to the Bernabeu. Uh, You know, parents and others in the governing bodies and things are, lo- are will be losing control. It will now be totally in the hands of the HOD, of the department, and it and in the di- and will then be motivated by the direction. And that poses very, very serious risks, to be honest with you, uh, particularly with the kind of election that we are having. And who might emerge as the front runner and to take over the country. Uh, so there are very serious risks that are posed to it. And I think we are setting uh, ourselves for failure as far as that is concerned. On the issue of all schools that are, all of these institutions are supposed to be registered in any case. Nothing new. Uh, it's always been a requirement that. Uh, uh, any place of learning must be registered, for various reasons, of course, uh, 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 so, so that they are held accountable. But clearly it's not a case of where the parents will be charged because they sent their child to a particular madrasa. That will not be the case. There's no such a thing. But yes, the institution themselves will be held responsible. The institution themselves will be shut down. If that is the case, we've had that in many institutions. Of course, I must also add that the level of compliance in the country is very low. You always find there are bogus institutions uh, that you only find find out about a lot longer, you know, (laughs) than you ought to have done. If the mechanisms in place were correct, you would have picked this up at a very early stage. But they haven't. You know, it's after you find many learners have paid an exorbitant amount of money. And then when it's time for them to graduate and get their certificates, we find that the schools are not registered and, you know, these are the things that we have to be careful about. So to some extent, there are measures being put in place to try and have stricter control over them. But at the same time, the powers that have been given to the department could be abused and exploited. And that's the fear we have in terms of particularly your language policies that could be affected. What, I mean, a good example is alcohol being sold in the schools, you know, which will become, uh, you know, schools are allowed to do that despite the fact that alcohol is the one single item that's the most destructive commodity in the South African environment when it comes to accidents and crime and others. So the problem is is that all you're doing here is you are losing power and control to one single person and that is the head of the department. And we know through corruption, we know through through, through, uh, um, uh, 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 our experiences uh, how people can very easily be manipulated and things, and there's a very great fear. We believe that education, to some extent, in the control of it at school level, should be with those that govern in terms of the parents and things. But again, I want to say to you, my brother, my experience tells me that even governing bodies are very ineffective. And it's very ineffective to the extent that we have people sometimes that are unskilled expecting to go and make appointments of skilled people. And, and I personally have seen it in one of the schools that I chaired with the governor. Or the principal of that school, I won't quote them, the principal of the school quoted one candidate, 49 out of 49, only because he belonged to a union that she belonged to. So you can see how these things get abused, and governing bodies are not able to touch about it. Green bodies, in my view, have been put there just to go and do fundraising and things for the school. They're just being used, uh, but they don't necessarily have the powers that they could do much about it. And here it is. Now you're limiting their powers and taking a lot more power away from them. So there's a whole lot to do, but I can tell you if you really, there is greater risks uh, as far as uh, uh, I'm concerned uh, uh, in, in, in this bill that's been passed. So, yes, you are correct. Uh, um, uh, some public representatives are not coming out in the open to be able to discuss and debate every issue, the pros and cons of this bill. Uh, and some of them just support it, you know, uh, and, and and that's where I'm very concerned. Uh, and that's why I, I say, I, to what I said in the very beginning, that we need to, maybe we need to have constituency-based elections, because when you are political parties, you talk the line of what wants want you to do. Mm. And that's the problem we have. So you lose your independence and uh, and you pass bills of this nature I give you a good example, if you take a political party and they got representation from the different groupings, there are those that are in support of the LGBTIQ community in that party and there are those that are not. Now look at how difficult it makes it when you have to take a decision. That is why you need an organization with Islamic ethos, principles and values, not a, a party that represents everybody. but will maintain Islamic ethos, principles and values. And it's not only Islamic ethos, because if you look at it from a Christian point of view, other religious point of view, really, they all say the same thing. But people want to shy away from them, particularly public representatives, because you need their vote. So you have to toe the line and then don't come out outright and say what is right and what is wrong and what you believe in and what you don't. People need to be consistent. They need to do the right thing. Yes, if it comes to human rights, you protect people's human rights. But don't promote anything that you know is not good for the Ummah and the people at large.
0: We just have time for one more question. And this is about uh, electricity and you know, the new developments that has come to the light of the public or knowledge of the public during this week. And that is South Africa has just seen a major breakthrough in private electricity provision with President Cyril Ramaphosa announcing that business will not be allowed to generate power, will now be allowed to generate power of up to 100 megawatts each uh, without a license. Currently only one megawatt is allowed. And the new cap is much higher than expected. While some fear that this may see Eskom approaching a death spiral as large mining customers turn to private energy companies, Ramaphosa said it would herald a rebirth instead. Now, the members of the public, because of, you know, having knowledge that corruption is an integral ingredient of the politics of the ruling party, Many people are skeptical about this. Do you think this would be in the interest of the country or further or further the cause of corruption?
1: Well, let me start off by saying that i'm glad you your last point, the last word that you used is what made me laugh actually when you started this particular question, and that reminds me of what happened a long ago, and I met a group of people. I was invited there, and and it was not long hours. Just after the president made an announcement on solar energy and things, so I met them there. And of course, uh, they are quite convinced they're going to get work. So they knew before anybody else knew what the president was going to say. So I'm not surprised at <laughs> actually hearing now what this is all about. Uh, again, corruption, corruption, corruption. But a very important point here, my brother, is this. The amount of money, of taxpayers' money, that you are actually pumping into ESCOM, okay? And continue the bailout right now as I talk to you. But on the other hand, what are you doing? You're making ESCOM redundant. So why are you putting so much of money into ESCOM if you want to really privatize to the extent you want to go? All this money that you're pumping in there because ESCOM is going to just become a white elephant like many of other state-owned companies that you're pumping money into. So again, it means you're directing yourself to corruption. This is all that is going on. They have another plan, you know, and 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 on, you only realise it when it's too late. Like the South African Airways, how you sold your your aircraft for 35 million rand each and rented it back the same aircraft for fifty four million rand each. I don't know, you know, how one can understand and 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 and. And, and consider you know why anyone would have made a decision of that nature. So it's exactly the same thing here as far as ESCOM is concerned. I've raised this actually about two years ago. That you're talking about these the these, these independent power producers, but you're spending a lot of money on ESCOM. What is going to happen to ESCOM? Because it means that the demand at ESCOM will be less, but your expenditure will not be less, it'll still continue. So how are you going to be able to sustain that? And what is the rationale behind it? And, uh, you know, I'll tell you the explanation. giving. No, ESCOM will exist, and these people will be supplying energy into the grid. But then it means it's a case of, of it's not about generating anymore. It's only one of distribution. So really, I, I must tell you there's something very sinister that's going about it. On the one hand, not long ago, we heard that no, we are doing very well and we have enough renewable energy, if you heard. They con- tried to convince us. In fact, the day after the president's statement, there was load shedding <laughs> to stage six. Yeah. But on the one hand, they tell you that, and then the next thing, it's something else. So don't be surprised with what you're hearing now. <laughs> the president uh, 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 will will change that soon. If you remember that there is disagreement between the president and uh, the Minister of Energy, Minister of Energy is very clear. We need a mix of both coal and uh, uh, renewable. The President is talking going on renewable. Now let me tell you what this is all about, my brother, very quickly. South Africa has an estimated 300 years of first-grade coal available. Okay, these the companies that are currently busy with renewable energy, most of them are linked to the coal. Uh, uh, mining industry. So they're exporting the coal because of the big demand at a high prices. South Africa as a government, we only get the the, the crumbs, the royalty, very little, but the big major profits are made by these coal mining companies. So they need to export rather than let it use it locally. At the same time, they own the renewable energies. So they are saying, let's export the coal and let's put renewable yes. so we'll be making money of exporting the coal because we are mining it. And we'll also be making the money into the renewable energy in the country. But if you use coal here yeah, and renewable, what does it mean? There will be less coal available for them to export because they will, be, uh, 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 they will have to uh, uh, provide coal for the coal-fired power stations in South Africa. So they're saying, no, it's not gonna work for us. We make more money by exporting plus we'll make money by renewable. Other way around, We'll be restricted, we'll make less money there, plus there won't be that much demand for renewables because we've got borrowed. So you can see the levels of corruption, the sinister moves. Take China. China is building an average of one coal-fired power station every week. South Korea is building new coal-fired power stations. The United States who is saying they will only be able to eradicate coal-fired power by 2054. That France and Germany have recommissioned their coal-fired power station, but South Africa goes and takes 151 billion rand from them, okay, to go out there overnight. They want to go and do away with coal. They started shutting down the coal-fired power station, but we are on our knees because we don't have energy yet. Does it really make sense that you started to shut down these power stations and you don't have enough energy to supply your people? And you're taking more and more money with a country that's already 77% debt to GDP, 23 cents in Iran going to your debt service cost. Where are we heading? So there's something very sinister going on. It's loud and clear. That is why the president and the minister had loggerheads for this as well.
0: Okay, Jazakumullah for giving us your time. Inshallah we would talk again next Sunday. السلام salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatu.
1: Wa الله.
0: wa rahmatullahi Sahaba, the voice of Ahl wa